This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you it's all about value. Welcome in. We are live here on this Wednesday. Appreciate you guys joining us. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. And as always, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give a thumbs up and a like to the content there as well. Don't forget, we are on Roku TV. However you get Roku TV, Amazon Fire Stick, or wherever it is, download the Roku TV app. Check out Locked On Sports Atlanta and all the shows here on the network every single day. A lot to get to. A surprising set of college football playoff rankings that we will get to. Hawks got a game tonight at the Garden against the Knicks and uh, some more World Series action. And, of course, one day closer to the big matchup between Georgia and Tennessee. All right. Uh, I want to start with uh, the – Trade deadline in the NFL yesterday because I've been on this clip for a couple of weeks now, you know, basically saying that I, I was hoping the Falcons would be buyers at the deadline. I was hoping they would do something to increase uh, the value of their team and, and make themselves better now and for the future and that there were players to be had. Um, and look, I mean, we saw some pretty big names get moved at the deadline between Roquan Smith, Bradley Chubb gets moved, uh, you know, Chase Claypool gets moved. Like these are these are notable names throughout the league that all got dealt at the deadline. I think it was a total of 10 deals yesterday alone, uh, which set the record for deadline day deals in the NFL uh, as far as the number of deals that were done. So this is starting to become a thing every year that the NFL trade deadline actually has some some legs to it. Uh, and the Falcons made a handful of very small deals. Um, they actually acquired Rashad Fenton from the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, a cornerback, for a conditional seventh-round pick. They traded safety Dean Marlowe to the Bills for a seventh-round pick. Uh, and the big news was they traded Calvin Ridley to the Jacksonville Jaguars for two draft picks, um, one of them conditional, and we'll figure out what it is uh, a year or two down the road. That That's fine. Um, and, and, you know, I'll say this much. The idea that you got two picks for Calvin Ridley uh, is pretty much a steal. Like, that I think is fair. I, I – I don't think there's any way to look at that deal any other way than the idea that the Falcons got two picks for a guy who didn't play a down and hasn't played a snap of football in a year um, and won't play for the rest of this year, obviously, and might not even get reinstated the next year. We'll see. It's pretty amazing. So I don't think there's anything to be upset about with the Calvin Ridley deal. Um, once again, and you know, Arthur Smith has been very clear about this. If you read through the lines, if you don't fit, Beyond his scheme, if you don't fit into the mentality that he wants for this locker room, for this franchise, for these players, you're going to be gone pretty quickly. The culture that he's creating is one that only certain people fit into. And even if you're less talented than other guys, guess what? You can't be here because you don't belong with what he wants for the franchise. And and that's okay. I think coaches do that all the time. They decide what kind of uh, what kind of culture they want, what kind of players they want. Some coaches are like, I don't care what you do. Go out there and kick ass on Sundays, and everything will be fine. And that's okay too. There are coaches who like it that way. There are coaches who don't, and that's fine. In the macro picture, you know, 
um, in acquiring picks and all these picks and not actually making the team better. Because, folks, I don't care what you say. It is absolutely possible to make the team better this year and in the future with the right with the right player uh, and the right compensation. I'm not suggesting they should mortgage the farm. Um, but, you know, again, to quote my good friend Casey Stern, um, or to paraphrase, I should say, my friend Casey Stern, picks are cool, parades are cooler. Like, win. Go get as much talent as you can get your hands on and go win. Now, again, everyone's saying, well, the Falcons aren't going to win anything this year. They're not good enough to win. They don't win one playoff game map. Is that really the point? Is that really the point? The point is that if you're trying to get out of a rebuild, the easiest way to do it is to stockpile talent and get talented players. That's really the easy. That's the point. And if you have access to get talented players, and the Falcons do because they have cap room now, believe it or not, and they have cap room next year, then get talented players. But I'll ask this question because I'm trying to figure out, and we won't know the answer to this for a little while, you know, if Terry Fontenot is so beholden to draft picks and he's acquiring more of them, uh, you better be acquiring more of them to move them up in a deal. To be able to give those picks away to somebody else to go get something bigger. Let me ask you guys a question. And I don't know how many of you know about like, you know, diamonds or whatever. But think of it this way. If I have four quarter carat diamonds, right? If I have four quarter carat diamonds, the value of each of those quarter carat diamonds is not equal to the value of a one carat diamond. I will pay more for a one carat diamond than I will for four quarter carat diamonds. Why? Because the whole diamond has more value than the chips or the smaller pieces of it. Does that make sense? It's the same thing with these draft picks. If you can't package them, if you can't move them to get into a better position, to get a better player in the draft, then you don't really maximize the value of those picks. That's what this is about. And, and, and we're not going to get an answer to this because you know we're going to have to wait till the offseason to see if, if Fontenot really is going to do anything with them. But again, I don't buy into the stay the course mentality. The course is to get better. This is, a, this is a destination. It's not a journey. The destination is to win as many games as possible and go win a Super Bowl. This isn't this isn't like the back of a this isn't a meme of prophetic, you know, words trying to make you feel better at night. This is simply about winning football games as many of them as you can and going out and winning a Super Bowl. The fastest and easiest way to get there is whatever the fastest and easiest way to get there is. And in my opinion, the fastest and easiest way to get there is to get better players. I mean, again, macro thirty thousand foot view, which I've always said. Everything is great. Everything is gravy. But the worst thing you can do, the absolute worst thing you can do is assume that the arrow that is currently pointing up will continue to point up just because you do the the process. Go look at the Atlanta Hawks. They are the perfect. There are two perfect examples of this in town. Go look at the Atlanta Hawks. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Arrow pointing up. What did they do that offseason? Nothing. What happened to the arrow? It started pointing down. And you went back from fifth in the East to ninth in the play-in tournament. Look at the Atlanta Braves. 
arrow pointing up. What did Alex Anthopoulos do? Got better at the trade deadline. Got better in the offseason. Continued to get better. They get a World Series. The biggest mistake Terry Fontenot can make is go, well, because Roy the Arrow is pointing up and because we're ahead of the curve, we don't need to do anything different. No, you do. You're always, 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 always improving. You're always getting better. There was an opportunity to get better at the deadline, and they didn't do it. Fine. I'm not saying that's necessarily the wrong move. What I am saying is that that opportunity to get better is wasted, and now you may have to do more work to get better down the road. Don't assume that that arrow that's pointing up is going to stay pointing up. It's always an improvement. Always, always, always. All right. Uh, We got some crazy college football rankings to get to. Uh, but first, words from our friend at betonline.net. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Uh, they have news and reviews of every league. And what's interesting here is we're going to talk about what would Vegas do if they made the college football playoff rankings. And you can get that information on betonline.net. They have reviews of the NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, the World Series going on, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. The podcasts I have are amazing. Such great content and information. they got live in-game betting scores. It's all right there. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, college football playoff rankings come out. And, um, well, Georgia wasn't number one, which we thought that wasn't going to be the case. At least we thought that on this show here, ADZ. Uh, and, uh, we also thought that Georgia would be number two. And that also wasn't the case. Thanks so much. College football playoff ranking committee for ruining what should have been one versus two. Now it's just one versus three. Just doesn't have the same juice. Anyway, not that it really matters. The little number next to the team doesn't really matter. It's going to be a big game regardless. But Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan, Alabama, 5-6. TCU, Oregon, USC, LSU, uh, 8-9-10. Or 7-8-9-10, rather. Don't really have a problem with the top 10 teams. I have a problem with the order. Again, I'll say this much. I think Clemson being four is just insane. Like The idea that Georgia got ranked less than Tennessee – because of their lack of a, a signature win. Um, and you put Clemson above Michigan and TCU? Like, TCU is four solid wins. TCU has four wins on their schedule that are as good, if not better, than the best wins for Clemson. They just do. Um, some massive disrespect to TCU, if you ask me. They went on a run, guys, and people don't know this because they don't watch Big 12 football, but... TCU went on a run of beating four straight top 15 opponents. That ain't easy. That ain't easy. That's the stuff that like Alabama would do in the SEC West back when it was legit. So anyway, um, again, I'm not going to get too bent out of shape about any of this. And the only reason I'm not going to, and the only reason why I say I'm not going to is simply because you're going to see this stuff work itself out as we've figured out. Tennessee and Georgia will work itself out. Ohio State, Michigan will work itself out. Um, You know, again, TCU, Oregon, you know, uh, USC, all those teams have right in front of them what they need to have in front of them to make a run. 
But by Clemson being four, I, I think they're they are telling you still that undefeated conference champ is going to get in because they may be the only one with a zero next to their name, and that's going to put them ahead of where uh, they should be. I don't know why you guys get so infatuated with that zero in the loss column. I, again, I'm not underscoring how hard it is to win every single game that you play during the regular season and your conference tournament. I'm not underestimating that at all. What I'm saying is that uh, you have to kind of take – you have to peel back the layers a little bit. You have to look a little bit deeper than what you see to truly understand what you're seeing. And and here's the thing, um, and I have to ask around about this. Uh, the fact that Georgia's an eight-and-a-half-point favorite – um, I got to know if that, that this is the biggest underdog that a number one team in the country has ever been. I, I, I would have to assume that it is like, I would have to assume that, that, um, you know, that the team that is, is number one would never be an eight and a half point underdog, but they are. And here we are. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting to see how that's going to shake out. I thought this was interesting too. Um, that on The Athletic, um, they wrote a column about if Vegas were to make the rankings for the college football playoff and how they would do it. Um, they actually done this exercise for a couple of years. And I, I only say this because, again, you know, Vegas has uh, access to, to hordes of information that not a lot of people do. And in that, um, that's how they determine what lines are and everything else. And, and the college football playoff committee actually has access to a lot of the same information. But, you know, it's... It's always a good determinant to see who Vegas thinks is a favorite, who is better than whom, and it, it'll tell you a lot about where teams are. Now, the Las Vegas College Football Playoff uh, top 10 rankings have Georgia at one, Ohio State at two, Alabama at three, and I'll pause on Alabama for a second. Part of the reason why Alabama is at three is because of the publicly bet nature of that team. It's not necessarily a... Uh, there's a numbers game or or some sort of uh, some sort of distinct statistical advantage Alabama has because they're so publicly bet. Uh, if they make them lower and make them underdog, it becomes a liability. You have to understand that. So that, I think that's part of it. But Tennessee is at four, Michigan at five, Clemson at six, Oregon at seven, Oregon at seven. What did I tell you guys? Uh, TCU at eight, LSU at nine, and USC at ten. Uh, I, I think that to me. I think with the exception, again, of Clemson, but again, Clemson is also only a, uh, is a very publicly bet team, and um, they have not been laying a lot of big spreads this year. Against bad teams, they have. Against teams that are of their ilk, the Florida States, the NC States, um, you know, they, they have been uh, very, uh, very short numbers, and they're only giving two and a half points to Notre Dame this weekend, which is a interesting number. It's also probably a trap spread, but that's a whole different conversation for a different day. Uh, not a game that I want to get involved in, period. But it's interesting to see how Clemson is is positioned right now in the college football playoff uh, and where they are and what, what, what they are thought of. But as I said, let's wait a couple of weeks. You're going to get over the ne- next couple of weeks, you know, some major sort of matchups we talked about. Obviously, this week and, and next week, you'll get – uh, some other big time matchups that could help decide this whole thing. Um, you know, Washington and Oregon are going to play. Uh, will Oregon get tripped up? Who knows? You know, um, Tennessee is an easy path the rest of the way out. Ole Miss and Alabama are going to play each other still. 
That one could have a lot of impact. So TCU is going to play Texas. That one could have a lot of impact. That one's in Austin, by the way, at UT. So uh, there's there's a lot left to be decided. So I'm not going to get too crazy about the first college football playoff rankings because we've got another three or four weeks of this that are that are really more determinant than what we've seen coming out of the first ranking. All right, uh, we got to get to Shovels of Wisdom, and then we'll get to uh, the Hawks' big big game tonight against the Knicks. uh, Some World Series stuff as well. Um, more baseball news and Georgia, Tennessee, Falcons, Chargers, all coming up. First, a word to remind you guys that uh, I want to make you want to thank you for making Locked On Falcons your first list, first listen every single day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day, which is awesome. It's like second only to the take of the day you get right here. But it is the Locked On Sports Today podcast available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever. You get your podcast. Now, time for Shovel of Wisdom. Brace yourselves, because it's time for the Shovel of Wisdom. You know how we do it. Every day we have to set somebody straight, whack them upside the head for saying or doing something stupid. You can do so right here on my Twitter account, at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Just use the hashtag Shovel of Wisdom. And today my shovel goes to the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. They're, they're not going to fix this anytime soon. Um, you know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving basically demanded that uh, – that Steve Nash be the coach of the Brooklyn Nets uh, and, and management gave in. Yeah, they did. Uh, and well, guess what? Uh, after a two and six start, Brooklyn loses at home to Chicago last night, only scores 99 points and they fire Steve Nash. So uh, Steve Nash is now gone and it is not going to be pretty uh, going forward for whatever uh, is, is available. Uh, out there, who knows? They're already talking about Ime Udoka being uh, a replacement for him, the former embattled or suspended Boston Celtics coach. Uh, and it wouldn't shock me if Boston absolutely let him go and said, "Go see you." Um, just get him out of the organization. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I don't think it would surprise anybody um, if they let him go. But you know, Nets are a mess. Uh, it's not. And, and the the one upside, and I'll tie this back to the Hawks. The one upside is that. Hey, that's one less team that may be in your way. Like, you know, maybe uh, you should, you, you could be a lot happier about the idea that they could finish above them in the standings. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, nonetheless. So no one cares about the mess that is the Brooklyn Nets. All right. Uh, Hawks are going to be in the garden tonight, taking on the New York Knicks. Um, interesting to note. Uh Trey has had a very good uh, run at the Garden, obviously going back to the playoff series that was there uh, a couple of years ago and and the the big night that he had. And I'm curious to see because uh, just his points prop is over 28 and a half, um, over under 28 and a half. Very, very interested about that number. Uh, Will Trey drop 30 tonight? We'll see. More importantly for the Hawks, this is about rebounding from a really bad game against Toronto uh, and coming out and figuring out what you want to play like. You know, the, the the thing about the NBA and the thing about basketball in general is sometimes you just get into bad lulls of stretches. You know, the Hawks are on the last game 
of a five-game road trip. Um, you know, they got beat up by by Milwaukee and Toronto. They took care of two games in Detroit, but you know, now you're trying to make it a three and two trip. Uh, you're trying to make it a spot where you uh you could sort of get that bad taste out of your mouth um and, and get back home on a high note. Who knows how they'll react? I mean, honestly, it, it's not I, that's why I think this, these early games are somewhat telling of how you're going to be. Conversely, the Knicks um, are, come off a, a uh, two losses to the Bucks and Cavaliers. They need to get a win at home. So, And this is a team that's going to be right there theoretically with you. I think the Hawks are better than the Knicks, but this is a team that's going to be right there with you in the middle of the Eastern Conference standings. Uh, and these wins start to get to be important. You know, we take it as a game that doesn't matter because, oh, it's still the beginning of November and the season just started and blah, blah, blah. No, these are games that actually could have impact down the road, especially when it comes to the idea of tiebreakers and, and positioning and everything else. So um, I'm really curious to see how the Hawks rebound, uh, and not, pun intended, I guess, rebound not only from the loss, but rebound on the glass tonight because I think it's super important for them to uh, to get to a spot where, you know, they could start to, to play better basketball. They didn't have a good game against Toronto. See if they can bounce back against the Knicks. Uh, World Series last night, if you guys didn't watch, and most of you didn't, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies absolutely pounded the Houston Astros last night in a way that I don't think many people would have expected. Um, they win the game 7-0. They hit five home runs. They take a 2-1 series lead. And this is – I was talking about this yesterday. This was such an important game for the Phillies simply because um, as long as they can get to a situation where they are heading back to Houston with one, with two chances to win one game, obviously going back 3-2, then it, to me, that's everything. I think that is is the way that they – the formula for them. If they would have been down 2-1, there would have been so much pressure for them in game four um, just to be able to force a game six and get it back there. Because if they go down 3-1, there was no way they were winning three straight against the Astros. I think we all know that. And we all sort of feel that. And obviously, that is a situation they didn't want to be in. But this Phillies team and this Phillies lineup, man, they just keep coming at you. Uh, and you wonder why, when they played the Braves, I said repeatedly, you don't want to face this Phillies team. Bad news. That is a lineup you want no part of. And it, it's come to fruition. By the way, speaking of the Braves, uh, congratulations to Danny Swanson, Max Freed, both win gold gloves. If you're into that sort of thing, if that matters to you, um, I'm more curious about the Rookie of the Year award, who gets it, Strider or Harris. My guess is that Harris gets it just because uh, uh, you missed the last month of the season with Strider. Uh, and the playoff performance didn't count. The votes were already in by end, so uh, I, I don't take too much stock in that. But that's really the only other award left. I don't think there's a Brave out there who's getting an award anytime soon for anything else. So think of that what you will. Uh, and then finally, um, as we wrap things up here uh, on this Wednesday, um, you know, as the Falcons get set for the Chargers and the, the dogs get set for Tennessee, there, there is one consistent theme between these two teams that, uh, and we'll dive into this more throughout the rest of the week, but it is about controlling the ball 
and holding on to the ball and controlling the tempo of the game against both these teams. You put both of these teams on the field for too long this weekend, could be a painful weekend for the state of Georgia. It's, it's that simple. You need to be able to control the flow of the game by holding on to the football and making sure that you control the tempo, um, especially for the Falcons. You know, like at least Georgia has an offense that can move. The Falcons don't. And that's going to be problematic for them, especially if they give the opposing quarterback more time on the field than they need. All right, that'll do it for us here today on this edition of A to Z. Appreciate you guys joining me. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter at Locked on ATL. I'm at Mark Zino, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. want to thank you guys for making Locked on Falcons your first listen. For your next listen, check out Locked on Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give a thumbs up and a like to the content there. Don't forget we are on Roku TV as well. Wherever you get Roku TV on your Amazon Fire Stick, check out Locked on Sports Atlanta every single day. Back tomorrow for a Thursday edition. You guys have a great day. Don't get to correct me, anybody. See you.